And hello, everybody. Welcome to Scouts Eye on College and Pro Football. I am Chris Landry. You know it's Scouts Eye on College Football. If it is Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, we'll take you through an hour's worth or thereabouts of talk, kind of breaking down this time of year. We're breaking down the games of what happened and what we think is going to lead to happening this coming week. Answer your questions. Let's see. We've got some questions. Uh, Richard sends in an email. Kevin sends in a couple of emails with some good questions, some regulars. By the way, if you want me to address a question, anything to do with football, whether it's coaching, scouting, X's and O's, player evaluations, you know, administrative, uh, can handle all of that. That's my background. So you can go to LandryFootball.com, hit contact Chris, and send it to me there. You can um, follow me on Twitter and uh, at LandryFootball. Send me something there, and I will address it. Uh, also, we want to encourage you to follow us on the Twitch channel. We are really happy to be a Twitch affiliate. Um, for those of you who have not found us on Twitch TV, you can go to LandryFootball.com, hit follow Chris on Twitch, and it'll take you to the Twitch channel. What is Twitch? It's an internet TV channel, and this is a football channel. It's the Chris Landry football channel, and it's real simple. Um, it, it's it's a way for you to get football programming throughout the day. We've got many programmings. Um, we started off initially adding a lot of programmings, and we still have a lot. We kind of upgraded. We thought some of the programs that we had were not of the quality we had hoped, and we've made some changes. We've got college conference um, shows <clears throat> that are really good. Um, all the conferences covered, Group of Five covered, NFL draft, recruiting shows, NFL shows. We got it all for you. Uh, certainly, I'm involved with the Film Room Show every Tuesday night with Scott Seidenberg. <clears throat> when we break down the college and pro game, excuse me, uh, as well. And I give a little bit of a different perspective here as well. So how do you do it? Uh, I've been asked. We we are an affiliate now, and uh, we want to, you know, encourage folks again, twitch.tv forward slash Chris Landry football is where you can find us. Or again, find us on LandryFootball.com. And two things that I want to ask you today. A, spread the word. For folks that maybe want to watch us on Twitter, again, if you're absorbing this podcast as a podcast, if you're getting it off LandryFootball.com or you're downloading the podcast through um, Landry Football's conference call, that's great. But if you want to get a chance to watch me do the show live and interact with questions in the chat room, we encourage you to do that if you have the ability to do that. Uh, and two things I'd like you to do. Encourage folks to watch us on Twitch TV and uh, to hit the follow button. And that's a little heart at the bottom right of the screen um, that will automatically send you a message every time we are live and a link to the show. And secondly, chat with us. Give us your thoughts, your comments, your questions. Click on that share button and... Um, you know, it, 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 this will say anything and we'll uh, give you a shout back. So absolutely want to do that. Subscribe. Hey, subscribing to the channel, uh, you will receive commercial free experience of our show, which means that you won't miss a minute. As subscribers, you are going to be part of the Chris Landry Football Insiders. Uh, we'll lean on you to have fun, to ask questions, to be a part of the show and participate in the chat room. You can be part of the Chris Landry football show team. And all you got to do is subscribe. So just go ahead and do that. And um, for those of you that are not familiar with Twitch, um, we've got bits. Bits are, um, it's what we like to do. Um, it's a chance for you to kind of show your appreciation um, cheer for us a few bits, uh, as they like to say. And, uh, you know, you'll see it on the Chris Landry football show just below the screen. You can buy bits. They're really cheap. And, um, and, and it certainly helps produce what we're doing here for you. Um, it's easy. And the more you cheer, the higher you get 
uh, on the leaderboard and you can become our top fan and we're going to have some prizes involved with that. So you're going to be able to see where you rank on the leaderboard um, right on the show page. So go ahead and cheer us a few bits, will you? and be a part of what we're doing. We're also got some great news for those of you that are into the gaming aspect uh, from our great friends at American Betting Experts. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Hey, look, as I always like to say, we will get to things. We'll take you inside the film room on this show in particular. Um, but we go into a lot more detail at LandryFootball.com. That's why we always say supplement watching this with a membership to LandryFootball.com. It's very inexpensive. It's less than $10 a month. And if you get it for a year, it's less than $5 a month. So what a great opportunity. You get the breakdowns of all the college and pro games. We'll tell you what happened inside the film room and breaking down the film. And we'll tell you how the players graded out. You know, individual players. You, you know, we you can't do any better than that. It's like being able to go down the hall and have access to your own co coaching and scouting department for less than $5 a month if you take advantage of it for a year. So what a great opportunity, and we can get into a lot more detail than we have here. Um, so, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think here. Uh, Jigs uh, at 44, I'm going to click on it here a little bit, some good uh, comments that he always has. Um, <laughs> he mentioned he's a good, good fan. Um, and he's always talking about, it. he says, um, DeVito's done for the year. Cisco's done for the year. It's a sad state right now. Of course, he's talking about Cherokee's football. We know what it is. And it's, um, it is, he's a really good fan. And those are the type of comments that we like to have, you know, get your frustrations out, you know, throw out your comments real live. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great opportunity to become involved. That's a perfect example of a Syracuse fan. What do they need to do to get that program back in, in shape? Well, you know, it's, it's about commitment to that program, commitment to recruiting. And, you know, um, Jigs knows, and I, I felt bad because sometimes, you, you know, it's no fun to, to critique. And, and if it's perceived as criticism, you hate it, but, you know, back a couple of years ago, remember when Syracuse was riding high and they were obviously had a really outstanding season, the best one in a long time. And people were saying, hey, Dino, look out. He might be leaving. He may stand, but he's going to stay and he's going to build something special. And they could be the second best program behind Clemson in the ACC. No, it's not now. And, and my concern then was this wasn't going to be sustainable. And the real key is being able to build an infrastructure back of a football program that was once proud. You can do it again. Now you're not going to ever look like the other orange team in, in the conference, but you can be more consistent, more competitive and look, they're going to have to recruit better. They're going to have to develop better. And, you know, Dino's offense or his background is on the offensive side. And that's how he kind of learned it from the art browse system. And they don't look good. And, Systems and styles don't work unless you have players that can execute them. So we appreciate you, Peter uh, Jigs, for um, for um, chiming in. All right, so let's get into a couple of things at the start. Um, and I could go a couple of different directions. I'm going to start with defenses. Um we're seeing it around all levels of football. I'm going to focus right now on college football. I'm going to focus specifically on the SEC and the defensive issues that are taking place at Alabama, taking place at Florida, taking place at LSU. And the coordinators are under a lot of heat. And look, it's fine for them to be under heat. They get paid a lot of money and there's a level of expectation and not being met. But there and there's some differences between the three. And I will gradually over time in my various platforms on this network be able to get into more detail about what's the issue at LSU, what's the issue at Florida, what's the issue at Alabama. And and again, there's some individualized issues. But in general, those places don't have a good base pass rush. They don't have guys that can win consistently on the defensive line. 
and they don't have enough depth. So even when they're getting some good play early in games, they're not getting the same quality late because there's not the rotation of depth that allows them to be really, really good. You combine that with, in let's take the case of LSU, Florida, Alabama, where their offenses are really good, particularly um, Alabama and Florida, really, really good. And LSU's been good in, in terms of explosiveness and big plays, not been good on third down and red zone. But when you have a pace and a reliance, an over-reliance on offensive productivity and tempo, that defense that lacks the depth of quality to rush the passer up front is just, it's like throwing, you know, wet sand on it, making it heavier and heavier. It's, it's a problem. Okay. I preach a lot of times playing complimentary football. I want to take a second to explain that in the detail because I think maybe people don't quite get it. As I make an adjustment here on the camera. Oh, I'm such a technical whiz, ain't I? Um, Complimentary football. Is your offense complementing your defense and vice versa? And and certainly the special teams are involved. So teams that play good defense have really good talent on defense and play an offensive style that's going to be a slower tempo, that's going to play more ball control, not just run it, but attack all parts of the field, will take deep shots when they're there. They will – work the horizontal passing game and the vertical passing game. But it's a little bit more ball control. There is a need, an essential need, to be able to be a good two-minute offense. you got to be able to score quick. You're behind in the game. you got two minutes left in the half. you got to be able to get up, score. got to score quickly. You have to have that in your arsenal. And most people today can do that. We have seen offensive football progress where two-minute offenses are pretty much the norm of what people can do. What a lot of people can't do is throttle it down and play good four-minute offense. And that is just as important, if not more so, to winning football. Because if you don't have good four-minute offense – and you're only an up-tempo team, your defense will never be very good. Never. Because you never can have enough talent to be able to play that style, and you're never going to be able to line up correctly, consistently, be in good position at the snap. And if you're in bad position at the snap, that is going to increase your mistake potential of taking bad angles to the football. And taking bad angles to the football hurts your ability to tackle. All of those things are connected, interconnected like a chain link. So the ability to be able to run a four-minute offense and to be able to keep your defense, limit the snaps that your defense plays. Less snaps, common sense. Less snaps equals less of a chance that they could score on you. Two, you're fresher for longer parts of the game. And the other thing is, this is really overlooked, is from the time your defense gets off the field, how many minutes, not play clock minutes, but minutes stop on your time, on your watch, how many minutes between the time you get off the field defensively and you have to come back again. You combine all that with the depth and quality of your team, you're seeing defenses not being very good. Oh, but Georgia is really good. Well, why is Georgia good? They do have a lot of talent. They do have a lot of depth of talent. They do have war daddies on the defensive line that can win individual matchups where they don't have to bring extra pressure and gamble to win. And oh, by the way, 
that can cover on the back end. They have the elements on all three levels of their defense of depth of quality. Well, they're stronger in some areas than others, but they're really good. They're really talented. They really can play multiple. They can play coverage, and they've got experience. Well, they complement that with an offense that it huddles, runs the football. Now, you can look at Georgia. Let's poke a hole in Georgia. Are, are they very effective in the two-minute offense against good defenses? Can they really dictate and impose their will? Look, the, the key is, to me, you've got to be a good passing team. You've got to have a quarterback that makes good decisions, that can get you out of a bad play into a good play, a guy that plays with poise, a guy that's going to protect the football guy that's going to get the ball out quickly and you got to have an offensive design in my opinion that's going to allow you to play at a slower pace there is nothing more debilitating to a defense than a four minute drive that ends up with a touchdown given up that is that is a quick score we'll get off the field let our offense go back and get it back. That's you just don't want to get into shootout games. Well, we're seeing some of the elite teams like Alabama get into shootout games. Can't happen. So a lot of their dynamic have changed. It's not a philosophical change. It's not a this is how we want to play thing. It's kind of been forced to it because they don't have great depth of talent on the defensive line at Alabama like they normally do at LSU like they normally do, at Florida like they normally do. So you got a problem. LSU's not covering very well. Florida's not covering all that well. Alabama is the one defense that is more a byproduct of they got gassed and they got gutted by Ole Miss's tempo. They'll be able to line up and play much better against Georgia because they'll be able to line up then the pace will be slower. And I do think that Alabama will maybe try to increase the tempo offensively to get some early points because the way you beat Georgia is you make them play from behind. And I think you force the ball outside the numbers in the passing game. Alabama's going to focus on stopping the run. So, look, I think there's there's some themes there. Now, we'll get into more detail uh, as to – what's happened in most cases. I'm going to check here. Um, you know, I appreciate, hey, uh, yeah, I want to get here. Um, also, Byrne says, do you buy into Alabama saying Ole Miss had their defensive signal? No, and I don't know that. Listen, Nick said it. He's got to own it. That was definitely not the case. Um the tempo was going too fast. And I thought Lane described it very well. I mean, I, I don't know. I think sometimes I'm not going to excuse coaches, but having been one, you really don't want to talk to me after a game. I'm, I'm not going to say things that are going to be PC or going to come off the pass. Just you're frustrated. And if, if you're sitting there and you're watching on the defense and you're seeing your defense getting gassed, you know, if you listen to his comments, I don't know if they had their signals or not. It's a stupid comment. I mean, they didn't have your signals a long time ago, and if they got your signals. How do they get your signals? That's your problem. If they get in your signals, you're not doing a good enough job on it. But that clearly not a signal issue. There weren't any signals. They didn't have time to signal stuff in. That was the whole point. Um, it was the tempo that killed them, and that caused Alabama to get misaligned. And let's give Ole Miss's offense some credit. You're seeing these defenses that I'm talking about that don't have enough pass rushers that are facing offenses that are as high-powered as they've ever been. So there are people that are going to absolutely make you pay. Absolutely. Um, we've seen this in the Big 12 with Oklahoma and Texas. You've heard me talk about it for quite some time. Well, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily 
a trend to the point where we can say that a Florida or an LSU and Alabama are now going to be like Texas and Oklahoma from here on out. No, I mean, they can be if they don't recruit and develop defensive personnel, because that's exactly what Texas and Oklahoma have not done. It's a culture problem and culture. I mean, is how you recruit the emphasis you put on defense. I think again, you, you can't have it both ways. You have to be able to build, recruit, develop defensive football with great players up front and great players on the back end. And then you have to complement that with a running game, not just run it up the middle. You've got to have ball control. You can run wide. You can throw the the, – the, the short pass, passing game, the layered passing game. You take chances. You got to do all of it to be the best. And right now, Florida, LSU, Alabama, struggling with it. I think Alabama is, there's still hope for them. Not so much for LSU. And I think even to a lesser degree, Florida's defense, there's only so much better they're going to get this year. But, you know, it's, it's too, when you replace a lot of guys and you lose a lot of players. You know, say, well, how do they not have talent? Well, like any other reason why you can have a, a drop in talent. You get really good players. A lot of them leave early for the draft. If the players behind of them, behind them are not as good, or even if they are as good, but they're not as developed and ready to jump in, you got a problem. There's going to be that drop-off, and we're seeing that drop-off. It doesn't mean that a Florida or an LSU or an Alabama doesn't have defensive talent, but – when there's an exodus of great talent, if the talent behind them is not as prepared to jump in and slide in, then the drop-off is precipitous. Well, the results are going to be precipitous. And if you're looking at an LSU, for example, they don't have an explosive of an offense as they did last year. Oklahoma is not as explosive on offense as they have been. So they can't overcome it as easy. So again, complimentary football is so important. Big win for AM this week. A lot of criticism of Jimbo Fisher. And I've said it for a while. And you know, for those of you that uh, watch on different platforms, I do a show with Neil McCready uh, every Tuesday and Friday at 9 a.m. Central Time, SEC football and beyond. And we were all running a little discussion. He says, Hey, overreaction is good. It, or it's just something you need to accept with fans. And he's probably right. As somebody that studies the game has been in the game. I recognize that because you want something, because you hope for something, hope is not a strategy. One is not a strategy. You've got to be able to put forth the effort and the execution to make it work. And it takes time. Jimbo Fisher gets paid a tremendous amount of money. Well, with that amount of money and that amount of publicity, any player, any coach, I can't believe they're paying this guy and this is what they get. Well, that's what you're getting right now. And that is an indication of kind of where you are right now. You never stay the same. You either get better or you get worse. Or you're getting better. If you've watched AM and studied AM, you see them getting incrementally better. Couple of things. I've said this. Jimbo Fisher, since he's been at AM, has not lost one game where he had more talent than the other team. Now, what does that mean? Just means he hasn't lost a game. He may this year. I don't know. We'll see. But he hasn't to this point. And he's won a couple of games like the LSU game two years ago in College Station where LSU had more talent. He won that one. That was a seven-overtime game, really screwy game. But they, you know, they were in the game against a more talented team. The guy can coach. Now, whether he's going to do a good job at a and I, I I think that we're starting to see it, and I think he has done a good job. But it's – Hey, you pay the guy $75 million and where's our national championship? It's been two years. It's into the third year. Doesn't happen that way. Doesn't happen that way. There's a culture building. You're going to come in and build a program. 
There's a way to do it and a way to do it right. And it's with recruiting. It's with development. Their best players are the sophomore type guys that, you know, those are the guys he's brought in. And I think he's done a good job of coaching the guys that were there before that were left over. I don't think his quarterback's very consistent. And I think he's gotten as much out of him as you can get him. And that's been Jimbo's background. He's also starting to develop an offensive line in a run game. That has been the hallmark of his offenses. Consistency. He just beat a team in Florida that has more talent than he does. That is a team in Florida that's 13 points better than AM from a personnel standpoint. AM played well. Florida's defensive issues caught up with them. AM's offensive line really won that matchup for the Aggies. What does it mean? Well, it means, again, for those that want to sit there and say, Jimbo's not getting it. It's not going to happen there. It's never happened at AM. He's not going to do it. It's this, it's that. Those same people are now asking me, you think the Aggies can make the playoffs if they have one loss? The overreaction is ridiculous. Okay. And I get it. And I get it. It's fandom. And we can, but that's just not how I'm wired as a coach and as a scout. It's, Every play, every game, evaluating players, teams, coaches, schemes, it's a long process. It's kind of like, you know, we hear the stuff now in our society with the testing of drugs and antibiotics and therapeutics and whatever. It takes time to test it. Football has a lot to do with that. You know, you can take a team regardless of what the talent level is, and you can coach it up better than the other guy. You can, or you can coach it worse. You can, you have to get as much out of what's there, but sometimes you got to take a step back, not purposely, but you've got to say, we're not going to take shortcuts to build a good foundation. And sometimes that means that you have a little more growing pains and you have resistance among players. I think we're seeing that at Florida State right now. Um. But I think if you do it right, and if you're patient, you're going to see it pay off. Now, I'm not saying that Jimbo's going to win the West and be the next best, greatest thing. Nobody's going to win the West. Alabama is the best program in the West consistently and has been since Nick Saban's been there. LSU's been competitive under less, but second fiddle to Alabama. Auburn's beaten Nick Saban a couple of times. Not as good as Alabama. LSU had the magical year last year. Well, Auburn had a magical year with Cam Newton and won it. I mean, we see that happen at times. But nobody does it as consistently as Bama. It is possible. And I would tell you that with Jimbo Fisher, there's every reason to believe that two to three years from now that AM could be the second best program in the West. Could be because... Jimbo is really a good coach. You've got the offensive side of the ball that is handled. He under and he likes to run it. He likes to have that balance. And he and he certainly understands what he wants the defense to look like. And he's put together a good staff and they can pay good money on the defensive side. Whereas LSU is going to be more hit and miss. Great year last year. Why? Caught lightning in a bottle. Hired really good coaches got really good players that matured at the right time with an elite quarterback leading the way and boom, had a, you know, a, a generational type year. But you see, again, lose some of those players, got to hire new coaches, not as good as the ones you had. That combination leads to, you know, we're not talking about LSU not being as good. We're talking about LSU losing to Mississippi State and Missouri. We're not talking about losses to Florida and Alabama yet. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. We'll see where that plays out. That game is in jeopardy of not being played against Florida this week. Stay tuned for that. Um, But we're talking about losses to Missouri and losses to Mississippi State. And I'll do credit to the performance by those teams in those games. That's a precipitous drop-off from coaching. Because here's the thing. There's no doubt LSU's talent level is not as good. But are you kidding me? Are you telling me that Arkansas has better defensive personnel to stop Mississippi State than LSU? No. That part's coaching. 
Are you telling me that LSU doesn't have enough defensive talent to match up against Missouri, who was out their top two wide receivers? No, that's coaching. That's personnel and coaching. And yet, personnel is good enough where you can go out and let them go and play. You know, it's a different ball game. It's a lot easier to coach. You got to earn your money now. So it's a tougher coaching job that LSU has this year. And it's not as good coaches doing it. So you LSU is only going to be as good as the guys that Ed Orgeron can hire because Ed's not – Ed can't handle a side of the ball. Ed can't fix things himself. He has to hire somebody to fix it. So if Bo can't fix it, if Ensminger and Lenahan can't fix it, and on offense, the offensives look pretty good, not in the red zone, not on third downs, but those guys have to fix it or else he's got to find somebody to fix it because Ed can't. You can't go in the middle of the year like Nick Saban did and change a play caller on defense quietly, get involved with the defense and fix it, or be able to change some things offensively. He, he, he doesn't have that in his tool belt. That's not what he does. Auburn has been woefully inconsistent. And Gus, I think, is inadequate to consistently put things together. So, you know, why not? It could be A&M. But, but make no mistake, A&M's not catching Alabama. Alabama's going to have to come back to the pack. So uh, let's cool the Jets on A&M being great. And I'm the guy that was saying, cool the Jets on A&M being dead. Okay, A&M's going to be good. AM's going to be favorite in every one of their games. So they could end up with a one-loss season, a two-loss season. I think that's possible. We'll see. It's going to be a wacky year with who's available. And AM's had so many guys opt out, so many guys leave with the t- – I mean, it is – they've got their own issues as well. I uh, also want to talk a little bit about Tennessee. I'm going to check the notes here. Burns asks, what do you think is the ceiling at Ole Miss? Well, the ceiling is being competitive, going to bowl games, and maybe competing in that second tier, you know, in that second tier of the SEC. They need help. They're not going to compete for an SEC West title unless Alabama comes back to the pack. LSU, Auburn, A&M has more resources. Um So the ceiling is, depending on the year and depending on the schedule, winning seven, eight, maybe in a 12-game year, winning nine in a given year. Again, depending upon the schedule and the relative strength of the the teams on your schedule, that um, they could could have a year where they could win nine or ten. Winning the SEC title is going to have to come in combination with – other teams in the West just coming back to them because they're not, that's their ceiling. I think Lane can recruit well, and I think you'll have good offenses. I don't think Lane's defenses will ever be good enough to be at a championship level um, because his style of play on offense will not be conducive to it. But, and again, this is where I think there's a difference. At Ole Miss, you probably got to do it. You got to be creative. You got to do something unique. You're not Alabama. You're not LSU where you can recruit quite to the level. Lane can will recruit and can recruit about as good as you can recruit at Ole Miss. But it's not to the level of Alabama or LSU or Auburn or AM if those schools are doing it right. Tennessee, Georgia. Another case of so check the time here. Um, Tennessee's done a nice job. Jeremy's done a nice job. We talked about it last week. They're not where Georgia is. And you saw them play a good first half. Kind of what we said, didn't it? Look for it to be competitive in the first half. Look for it to go in the third quarter and it's a game. And then eventually Georgia's going to separate. Why? Georgia's that much more talented. And in similar styles, the team with a lot of talent, you're, you're going to see that wear out. Now, let's look at the first half. Georgia gifted Tennessee seven points. 
Can't, can't do that. I gave Tennessee a lot of life. Tennessee made two big-time touchdown throws that I thought Georgia's coverage was good. They were in phase. They didn't play the ball well. It's the difference between good coverage, bad coverage. You can have good coverage and play the ball poorly. You can have poor coverage and play the ball well. It's important to understand the distinction. The result may not – again, you only care about the result. I get that. We got to care about the process because the process is going to create the result, right? Um, that was some big time throws, and that was the difference in the game. And something that, quite frankly, I did not see Tennessee making big, uh, two big time um, explosive plays in the passing game against Georgia. So Georgia gave up explosive plays and gave them a touchdown. They settled down. What well, it could have been a four quarter game that way, but Georgia's not going to ever blow anybody out unless the team is so bad. So unless the team's so bad and they give Georgia some cheap points and all of a sudden it's, you know, 24 to three in the first half, Georgia in a normal game is going to clock the game. They're going to go on sustained drives. And if you give up a cheap play, they'll score quickly, but they're going to possess the football, play good defense. That keeps them in every game that they're in including games in which they're better than the opponent. It just means it takes them longer to kind of suffocate the opponent. That's what it is. Again, for the Tennessee fans that thought, well, it's changed. We saw Jeremy did this later. They're ready to, we're going to catch joy. Everybody was saying that, right? A lot of people. No, they're not, not ready for Georgia if Georgia does what they're supposed to do. Auburn, Arkansas. Listen, Auburn is having a hard time pulling away from people. Auburn is not playing well at the line of scrimmage. Auburn's not getting good play from their defensive line. Thought they did some decent things against Kentucky. Not progressed since. Auburn can't run the football that well. They're putting too much in the passing game. That leads to too much inconsistencies. Auburn's not going to run away from anybody. Arkansas is playing with a lot of confidence, with a lot of determination. They're playing very physical. And obviously the call at the end was what it was. And it could have been a great win for Arkansas as they're trying to build something. Um, This is, you know, kind of where they are. I don't think anybody's gotten more out of their team in the SEC in the first few weeks than Sam Pittman. I think they're very well coached. I think their coordinators have been outstanding. Um, I think Barry Odom and Kendall Browns have done a really good job maximizing what you can get out of Felipe Franks and making him a little bit more poised and a better decision maker and creating more spacing and coverage and getting him rolled out where he's a little bit better throwing it. Barry's done a great job particularly in putting in zone stuff early that limits the big plays, that keeps them in games. It maybe allows the opposing offense to make a mistake. They're hanging around in games that they've been blown out of in the past. So really good progress there. Um, over the ACC, there is – well, let, let me – um. Let me finish off a couple of SEC notes. Mike Leach, not going to hammer that again. We've talked about it, and I explained it before the season, and I explained it after everyone was coronating Mike Leach after week one against LSU. Oh, this is going to revolutionize. No, it's not. Okay. What you've seen with Mike, and unfortunately what you've seen, and I think we've got a question. I thought I noticed this. Kevin, Kevin asked a question. Let me be clear up front. I have no idea if Mike Leach is good or bad guy. He's not a bad guy, but I can say that his latest statement about because of any malcontents are going to have to purge a couple of those, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, uh, he kind of reverts to a couple of things. Says, um, talking about things, he's talking a little bit about some things that, that Mike is saying. Look, Mike is not politically correct. Mike's not a bad guy, but Mike is an egomaniac. 
Mike is, and a lot of guys have big egos in coaching. I'm not saying that, but Mike thinks football is played on a chessboard. Mike thinks his teams win because of him. Mike thinks his teams lose because the players don't do what he tells them to do the way he tells them to do it. There's, it's never Mike's fault. And as I said, you got the full Mike Leach experience. I thought it would take a little bit longer for you to see it, but you got the full Mike Leach experience. Very overrated, gets outcoached a lot. Will outcoach you if you don't adjust to what he does, but he never adjusts. So that he's got that. We saw that week one out coaching LSU, and then the last two weeks getting out coached. And then the last thing you get with him, he will make snide remarks, sometimes offensive remarks, and will make, take no accountability for what he's doing. And I've said it before, it's going to get worse because you know he'll he'll win some games that you don't expect him to win over time. He's not going to recruit very well. So this is about as talented as you're going to see. So um, there's that. LSU <clears throat> defensively. They're not as talented. They don't have, as I said earlier, the, the impact players, enough of them on the defensive line, and they're not playing well on the back end. They're not really doing a good job of teaching. The, the way they're playing their landmarks and coverage is very poor in man or in zone. That's teaching. That's coaching. Of course, they're not as talented as they were. But the talent that they have is not playing smart football, and it's not well coached. So it's not a e, if or R. It's both. And that's why the results are so drastically, you know, out of whack. Um, I've said it before. LSU's defense last year was not great, but what they had was a very cerebral coach in Dave Aranda that could modify and adjust things depending upon how that team was built. And it was built around their offense and it played to their offense. So Dave did, you know, not what he wanted for his defense, but what he thought was best for the team. And he got good situational out of that uh, situational defense out of that LSU defense down the stretch, even though the numbers weren't great overall, they made plays when they had to. And that was a part of the cerebral approach that Dave Aranda had. Um, I think you need to have a cerebral guy for Ed Orgeron. As I mentioned, Ed's a fire brimstone recruiter guy, motivator guy. And that's exactly what Bo Pelini is. Bo Pelini is not, a cerebral strategist. He's not a guy that teaches good landmarks and coverage. He doesn't teach, you know, staying in phase and coverage. He doesn't do a really good job of teaching gap control. What he does, <clears throat> he teaches getting off the ball and attacking. If you've got great players on defense, great edge rushers, great depth on the defensive line, great. I mean, he was a defense coordinator on, a, on an LSU team that won a national championship. That's how he got the Nebraska job. But he had great talent, and he just unleashed the hogs. When you don't have that, and you got to do things a little differently schematically, you got to cook the meal a little differently because you don't always have the filet mignons, then that's where he struggles. So it's a combination of they don't have it from a coaching or a player standpoint. And they've got to They've got to improve upon that this year. They've got to get certain players better, and I think they will. But this is not a completely fixable situation this year. And even if they get better, losing to Missouri and losing to Mississippi State are two games, even with their current talent-level state, LSU should have won. And funny how things go, because 
had they had won those games, people would be saying, oh, man, this is great. LSU is going to repeat again. No, they wouldn't. They'd still look the same way on film. The same problems would have on course to becoming a problem. The reason why it's a disaster is you lose to Mississippi State, you lose to Missouri. That's two losses. Most people thought LSU would lose a couple, a few games this year. But I don't know anybody that thought that they would lose to Missouri. They didn't think they'd lose to Mississippi State. They darn sure didn't think they'd lose to Missouri. Uh, over in the ACC, Miami, they've done a nice job. It's been a good year. You know, it's it's getting a little bit annoying hearing about Miami's back and Texas is back. You're not back. You're back when you can do it for successive years, like three or four at the highest level. And Miami hasn't done that even close to once in a long time. They're a good program and a good team. And the race for number two in the league is up for grabs. It might be North Carolina. It might be Notre Dame. I don't think it's Miami, but they can at least work to that. No one is close to Clemson. And that was proven out. That was a dominant performance. Both sides of the ball. It was bigger than the game would indicate. And Miami, again, we're not talking about a bad team. Again, people pump them up. They're really this. They're really – no, they're not. They're good. They've done a good job. That should be recognized. You're just not at the level, not even close to where Clemson is. So it's a big part of it. Um, let's see get through any more questions. Um, <clears throat> we'll get, let, me answer, let me answer some of the questions here. We're going to get to some NFL talk. Um, Kevin asks, Texas Longhorns, I don't understand how a program of this magnitude have no running game outside of Ellinger. Well, it's culture. It's part of they have not developed the running game. They've gone spread, so the offensive line doesn't come off the ball, work the run block. It's all about zone read. It's all about the up-tempo offense of today's game. And as I like to say, I think that programs like Texas, Oklahoma don't need to be Big 12 type programs. I think they're capable of doing doing more than that. Um, and they're not doing it. Um, Kevin asks, I've tried to watch as many games as possible involving the NFC South. Up to this point, it seems that Carolina Panthers are playing the most intelligent football. Really impressed with how Bridgewater accurately distributes the ball. Mike Davis is doing Yes, Carolina's done a great job. Their coordinators, Phil Snow's doing a really good job. The aforementioned Joe Brady. Um, doing a very good job with that offense. They're playing well. That is a good observation of your point. Uh, Kevin asks, can you explain what the Raiders secondary was doing in the second um, that caused problems for Kansas City? It's Basically, they're dropping eight. What you got to do is play. You got to drop guys in coverage, and you've got to um, execute well in coverage. You, you don't want to rush a quarterback like Mahomes because he's going to create those play extensions, and they're designed. Those routes are designed to work back to the quarterback. And you know you can't cover long enough. So go ahead, drop guys in coverage and force them to make some decisions, bait them into some throws, and they've done that. Bill Callahan, can you compare what he coaches with the offensive line with any of the style of Kyle Shanahan's? Now, Bill's, Bill's come from the zone-blocking scheme, and he's he's really good. He's really one of the best run-game teachers. So he teaches a good uh, zone-blocking scheme, always has, and a uh, very underrated coach. I know he was a barrier at Nebraska, and he didn't do a very good job as an interim coach. Well, he went to the Super Bowl with the Raiders and lost to his mentor, Gruden. Um, there, Richard asks, do you think the 49ers should have let Garoppolo rest for another week instead of him starting against the Dolphins last Sunday after having a high ankle sprain against the Jets? Yes. Uh, it, but hindsight's twenty twenty. I, I, you know, look, you, you, you go by what the medical staff says, you go by what he says, and you go by what you see in practice. You're not doing a lot of, you know, hard 
fast work and practice. So you think he's there, you give it a shot. I, I have no problem with them giving it a shot because obviously all indications were that he's ready to go. Once he wasn't ready to go, boom, they pulled him out. I mean, I think that's the way you play it. You can look at it now and say, well, you should have put him out the entire game. Well, your best shot is with him. And if all signs show that he's looking good during the week, it, you start him and then you pull him out. If he doesn't, that's, that's, I think that makes sense. And I do think, I do think that they gave a lot of reps to the backup that week. I know they did. In fact, side of what Brady, what down it was in the final minute of the game against the bears, which stood out to you against the bucks, the, the grit of the bears, bears don't, do it fancy, but I thought they came up defensively with some key plays. They're a physical team and they're functional on offense. It was about the Bears to me. Richard asked, "Can you explain Bo Pelini's coaching style? And why did he get why did he get fired at Nebraska despite having success there?" Well, you can debate whether he had success at Nebraska. I mean, he did some good things there, and comparatively speaking to the other guys that have been there. They haven't done as good a job as Bo, but but neither have they done a good a job as Frank Solich. So maybe they should have kept Frank Solich longer and stuck with him. But there's an expectation um, at Nebraska that's probably out of whack. There's an expectation that um, they should win titles like they used to. And I think Bo kind of rankled a lot of people, including Tom Osborne. It uh, didn't relate very well. And, and Bo wasn't a great recruiter. Bo did a good job when he had talent and then wasn't really able to sustain that. So you can make the case that he did better than some of the others, but no, wasn't all that good. Um. What was your evaluation of Dan Wilkinson out of Ohio State? Dan was was lazy, not great effort, wasn't as high on him as where the Bengals took him. London Fletcher out of John Carroll. London can really run, had really good instincts, and did a did a really good job. Garrison Hurst out of Georgia. Um, the thing about Garrison was I'll never forget is when they when we put him through the physicals at the combine, he had no ACL. Never had an injury. He just apparently wasn't born with one. Wesley Walls was a really good receiving tight end out of Ole Miss, you asked me about. Let's get to some question. Um, Sports Dad Bay, big fan. Hey, thanks, Sports Dad 88. Great job there. Make sure you like us. Hit the heart button and send us some bits if you can. Um, can the Browns contend for the AFC North? I think they are. I mean, look, the Ravens have more overall talent. Can't play from behind. They're right there. Look, we know this answer in large part is going to come this week. Um, we'll see what they do against the Steelers. I think they're in the mix. I, I, I would put them third, but a close third. And and, and I, I think close enough to where we can see it. I mean, I, I, I listen, I, I think what I see is a difference in Cleveland's play, a consistency there. And I think a one hell of a coaching job by Kevin Stefanski. So, yes, contend, yes. It doesn't mean that I think they're going to win it. I, I think they've got a real chance. I think they've got a chance of making the playoffs. Maybe that's the you know bigger thing. But, yeah, they can. Burns, uh, 4597, thanks, Burnsy. It seems like Le'Veon Bell has lost a step. It's, it's not just a dysfunctional that is the Jets. Well, I think that. Lavin's been a little bit of an attitude issue, and it's part of the reason why they're moving on from him. I lost a step, perhaps. Um, we'll see where he goes. I would not in favor of trading for him, but I would be fa in favor of bringing him in. I would be. Uh, Jigs, our big circus uh, fan, says, I'm a lifelong Giant fan. Always too pride in how well the run the organization was. Now it's a complete dumpster fire, in my opinion. What are your thoughts? Look, it is um, – it's not a good look. It's not a good sign. They're going through a lot of coaches. They don't normally do that, don't normally have to. Um, you're correct. Um, good friends with Dave Gettleman. Met, spent many a days on the road scouting with Dave Gettleman. Um, they've not been able to fix 
things on the offensive line. They draft a young quarterback who I like, but he's is a guy you can win with. But they have not built the type of team that they've built in the past with great defensive front players. Remember, with Eli, they were functional running the football. They were good at the line of scrimmage on offense. They were great on defense. They don't have any of that now. They don't have the type of defense that can play. And and I be honest with you, breaking them down on tape, they've not done bad with what they have. But they don't have the elite talent on defense to make a difference. And on offense, they don't protect the ball well enough. And uh, the, they don't protect the quarterback well enough. And they don't run the football well enough. And you lose Saquon Bar. I mean, there's a lot of things. There's no question about it. There's no question about that. Um Q's on Saturday and the Giants on Sunday. Woof. Hi, the women and children. <laughs> Bless you. I will say, you know, I was impressed how well the Giants played against the Rams. I didn't see that. It happens. It happens in the league. Hey, want to remind you, for those of you that like to put something on the game, the Scouts Eye on Football is sponsored by American Betting Experts, one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the United States. We have teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all the Landry football followers and podcast listeners. Here's what you do. Go to LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located in the upper right side. Uh, pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, such as BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, and PointsBet. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or a risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page, and get in on the action with a special offer from American betting experts. Uh, really recommend those guys. All right, let's get in some really ran and cut short a little bit some of the NFL stuff I wanted to get to today. Uh, Atlanta Falcons made the move. Dan Quinn. We saw it coming. We knew it was coming. It was inevitable. Uh, timing. Arthur Blank is always want to be um, make sure, measure nine times before you cut type attitude. Got no problems with it. Um, some may say it's too long. I admire him for exploring all options to give them a chance. People are um, back and forth on Tommy Dimitrov as a general manager. Look, Tommy was involved in a couple of coaching hires, and some of the coaching hires had some success, not a lot. That's not how people associate his job. Look, Tommy had some success, uh, not a great evaluator, not a real strong decision maker. Um, but here's the bottom line. They've got to change the culture in Atlanta. And in order to go out and get the best option that you have, you may want to get the head coach that's going to bring his personnel guy, or you may want to bring a GM that's going to be tied in with a coach that's going to work well together. It's not that that Tommy didn't work well with Dan. I mean, they got along, but they didn't have this success. It is really weird because – how you deal with culture, how you deal with success, how you deal with failure, also critical. After the Super Bowl, boy, it's been a mess. It's been a real mess there. Um, they just don't seem like they have that confidence level to finish. And Dan turned it around midseason last year. Wasn't sustainable. Another slow start. You know, you look at it, um, can't protect leads. You've got some talent at quarterback and receiver. Maybe they rebuilt. Look, Arthur Blank has been ambivalent or has come out and not said anything. He's going to let the new people come in and make that decision. He does have Rich McKay that he can lean on as an advisor. That will help them decide where they want to go. Head coach, excuse me, GM, then a head coach or head coach with a GM. You say, well, Chris, what would you do? Depends on the guy. You get the best combination you can. And if it means the head coach that brings a really good personnel guy or the GM that brings a really good coach, 
It matters not which direction you go. It's the right duo that is the key. Chiefs got upset by the Raiders. We addressed it a little bit in the question. Look, great win for the Raiders. It was kind of a focus point for the Raiders. They had really focused on winning that. They needed something to kind of build their culture up. And I'm not saying the Chiefs weren't ready to play. They did a good job. They made explosive plays. The difference in the game was the Raiders' offense and making big plays against the Chiefs' defense. That was the difference. And, look, I think it is fair to wonder, can the Chiefs mount up good situational pass rush and coverage in pivotal games? I still think the Chiefs are the team to beat, but let's remind folks they didn't exactly dominate in the playoffs last year. They're trailed in every game, including the Super Bowl. So you wonder if there's going to be flaws in their ability to hold up defensively. We know the offense is going to be good. The offense is usually great. But if the offense is not great to super, they're vulnerable if this defense gives up the plays that they do. So I still think right now, they're the team to beat. I want to see Pittsburgh play more and against better people. Um, I worry about Baltimore's ability to come from behind. That's their problem. I don't think New England will have enough on offense. Um, and so I, there's Devoid. I was looking at this the other day, making some notes on it, um, grading the teams in the AFC. Buffalo is a really solid team, or they, I mean, I I think they need to be taken seriously. And I would put them in the category, they and Pittsburgh as the best contenders to beat Kansas City. And I also think you need to put Tennessee in the the mix, Uh, provided they can get through the COVID stuff. And they did a great job against Buffalo last night, Tuesday night, Tuesday night football. I think those are the teams that look, Maybe they're look they're different in their styles, but but I think Tennessee and and Pittsburgh and Buffalo, um, you know, have chances. But I do think that the Chiefs are the team to beat, but but are beatable, and I I, I think it's going to be quite the challenge. I, I don't see uh, a lot of eliteness in the AFC now. I I. I see even less playoff caliber teams in the NFC, but, but I do see some, some issues there. Uh, I am excited, as I mentioned about the Browns and the Steelers this week is I think that is going to be a game. That's going to tell us a lot. And so I'm very excited about that. Um, you know, Kansas city Buffalo is going to be interesting and I want to see how Buffalo responds out of that. Um, Washington Giants, curious to see if the Giants can win one at home. Um, Chicago, Carolina. Carolina's playing well. Chicago is getting it done and doing their job. This is a game if you're you're gonna continue. If you're if you're the Bears, as I want to make a note here. Um this is a game that you got to bank another win if you're the Bears. A winnable game. I don't think the Bears will match up come playoff time, but they keep doing what they're doing. They're making the playoffs. Right now, they absolutely are. So I'm curious. This Miami team is playing well, playing hard. The Jets trying to find a win. Green Bay-Tampa is going to be very intriguing late Sunday afternoon game. Tampa defense playing well. Can you run the football on this Packer defense? Curious to see. Um, Rams, Niners. Rams, um, certainly better right now than the Niners with all the Niners injuries. Going to be fun to watch. Dallas without Dak Prescott. Andy Dalton um, against Arizona. An intriguing game. Uh, Denver, New England. Um, Houston, Tennessee. Cincinnati, Indianapolis. Indianapolis, the South is looking more and more like Tennessee and everybody else. Indianapolis is not really progressed. I'm curious to see if they can 
get better? And can Atlanta get that win on the road against Minnesota, who's suddenly playing a little bit better? So that's a look around uh, some of the games. We're going to have the breakdowns, of course, of all the games in the NFL this week inside the film room uh, over at LandryFootball.com. Make sure that you check that out, LandryFootball.com. If you're not a member yet, if you're not subscribed less than $10 a month, take advantage of it. Uh, less than $5 a month if you take advantage of it for a year. You get all the film breakdowns, player grades, team grades, uh, previewing the games, and then reviewing the games after. In the NFL, we do it in college as well. So check it out. We do it all year round. Recruiting, the draft, we've got it all covered for you. In fact, I've got some stuff I've got here that I've got to get up that I've been working on uh, and getting it typed up and getting them, um, folks getting it ready to go. It's the top. 100 players in college football for the class of 2022. Um, not 2021 that signing, but these are juniors in high school. So we keep you update like no one else can. Check out us live on Twitch TV. And again, hit the follow button. It's a little heart at the bottom right of the screen. It'll automatically send you a message every time we're live and on the show and chat with us and send us some bits. Um, we really appreciate that. Cheer us a few bits. Um, you will see there on uh, the Chris Landry football show just below the screen. You can buy bits. They're really cheap. Um, the more you cheer, the higher you get on the leaderboard. So we appreciate you doing that. And we appreciate you joining us. If you're listening to us on a podcast off of LandryFootball.com, or if you're listening to us um, by signing up for Landry Football's conference call, we appreciate you doing that. Check us out live on Twitch TV. You think you'll absolutely love it. He appreciate you joining us. Uh, check uh, Chuck Oliver out at 11 a.m. Central, 12 noon Eastern, talking college football for two hours, as he does every weekday uh, here on the Chris Landry Football Twitch channel. Spread the word. We'll talk to you again next time, everybody. <laughs>